Good morning. How you guys doing? Listen, I'm going to need a lot of amening and stuff today. Um, we've got, <laughs> not yet, wait for it. We've got, uh, we've got about 50 men at our uh, men's retreat right now. And so they're doing their stuff over there. And those are some of our most vocal, silliest people. So I'm going to need lots of participation from you today. Who will do it? Okay, <laughs> these are my people. These are my people. Uh, let's pray and we'll get into the word. Um, Father, thank you for a chance to worship you. We can actually, just like Joy said, we can actually experience you. We can actually experience your kingdom here and now in our time of worship, in our time of being together and the unity and the love that we have and the celebration of Jesus that we all do together. It's a chance for us to experience your kingdom. And so today, Lord, we're gonna talk about your kingdom and I just, I just ask you to just open our eyes. Maybe we're gonna see things a little bit differently today than we've seen them before. So I just pray that God, you would just kind of clear out any like preconceived stuff and let us just hear from your word. Uh, not from me, um, let's just hear from you today. In Jesus' name, amen. So for the last few weeks, we've been talking a little bit about our church's identity, um, who we're called to be, and our church's mission, um, what we're called to do. And we're, we're home church, and we exist to help people find the Father and experience the kingdom and look more like Jesus every day. And last week, we focused a little bit on finding the Father uh, every day, and especially his purpose and his power and his presence. And this week, we're going to talk a little bit about the second line in that mission statement, experiencing his kingdom. Um, if you've been coming to church here for a little bit of, uh, of time, you know we talk about the kingdom of God kind of a lot around here. And if you've read the Gospels, particularly if you've read the Gospel of Matthew, you may have noticed that Jesus talked about the kingdom of God all the time. Um, in Matthew 4, um, right after Jesus was baptized, he went out into the wilderness for 40 days to be tempted. And then uh, it picks up, verse 17, right after that it says, And from then on he began to preach. And what was his message? Repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. That's what Jesus that, That's what he preached. That was his message, the kingdom of heaven is near. So real quick as we get into this, what's the difference between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven? Nothing, <laughs> nothing, you're used interchangeably, okay? So Jesus says the kingdom of God a lot, and here's the thinking, if you check out your Bibles, you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they're all telling kind of the same story, they're telling what Jesus did, they're quoting what he said and all that good stuff. Um, in a lot of places he says the kingdom of heaven, but um, a lot of places he says the kingdom of God, and they're the same thing. Um, the thinking is Matthew was mostly writing to a Jewish audience, and you know, the Jews don't like to say the name God because they think it's disrespectful, and so a lot of people think that Matthew kind of cleaned up Jesus's words a little bit and changed it from the kingdom of God to the kingdom of heaven so he wouldn't offend people. So anyway, no charge for that. Uh, in my Bible, Matthew is 23 pages. 23 pages, and Jesus mentions the kingdom of God 35 times. So literally on every single page of, of his story, in every chapter of his ministry, Jesus talked about the kingdom of God. And for some reason, I don't know why, a lot of us have never really spent that much time talking about it. But if we're Jesus' followers, right? If we're Jesus' followers, then I think this is a concept we need to pay a lot of attention to because it's a concept that he paid a lot of attention to. So today we are going to dig in to the kingdom of God. Um, how many of you love God's word, real quickly? Okay, it's good, it's a Bible church, so that's handy. Um, 
One thing I've noticed, though, is there's different ways to love God's word. Have you ever noticed that? Um, in fact, today we're going to divide into three groups. Uh, and you may find yourself in one of the groups. You may find yourself, sometimes I'm in two of the groups. And you may be somebody that says, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm in all three of those groups. And so let's just identify who we are so that we can, you know, hate each other. Okay, group one, how many of you would say, I'll give you a description, that you're kind of a Bible nerd? You kind of love to like geek out on the Bible and you love all the conceptual stuff and all the really cerebral stuff. You love to try to understand the stuff that you know you're never gonna understand. You love to dig and read and question and talk about and think and you love the questions. You hear a hard question about the Bible and you're just like, oh yeah. Bring it, yeah, that sounds like something we'll never understand. So let's dig in to that. You're the kind of people that almost like the questions and the process as much as the answers. No shame. How many of you say I'm kind of a Bible nerd? Hold them up. Come on, people, don't be that way. Okay, no, no shame for you. How many of you, that's group one, you're group one. Okay, how many of you would say that you prefer more of a high level overview? A little less details, a little less questions. Uh, give me the cliff notes, right? Give me the, give me the Venn diagram. You know, I don't, I, don't, I don't like the crazy rabbit trails. Um, I don't need all the Greek origins of the words and all that. I'm a straight line, visual thinker. I don't want questions. I want answers. And I wanna know, I want the so what. You know, I want the, the application. I want to know how this applies in my life. How many of you would say you're more of a high-level overviewer? Okay, okay, and some were both. See, that's because it depends. Maybe one day you're one way and one day you're another way. And how many of you are in group three? You really like to have fun learning the Bible, even if it's silly. Yeah, and you fit perfectly with me, so that's awesome. Um, so today, um, we're going to try to talk about the kingdom of God in ways that speak to all three groups a little bit. So everybody's going to have to be, it's a home church, man. There's a place for everybody here, right? So we're going to have to all be like patient. Group one, if part of this isn't deep enough, you're going to get your time, geeks. You're getting your stuff today, nerds. You're getting a lot today. Um, but if part of this isn't deep enough for you or isn't conceptual enough or abstract or, or cerebral enough or hard enough for you, then just be patient and try to appreciate the clarity, right? And the simplicity and try to appreciate the fun. Uh, group two, if part of this is too detailed or too conceptual or too weird for you, try to be patient and try to appreciate the value of digging in. Uh, group three, might be a tough day for you. I'm just going <laughs> to, uh, if you get a little bored, I'm just going to say hang in there because today we're going to ask some hard questions, um, maybe, maybe some confusing questions. And brace yourself, group two, we may not get all of those questions answered today, but the goal today is really that maybe these questions will just get us at least thinking about the kingdom of God. And maybe like poking something in us that makes us question a little bit. I'm hoping that when we hear these questions today, even if we don't get the answers, that you'll at least do this. Hmm, I need to... I need to think about that, you know? I need, to, I need to pray about that. I need to study on that. I need to get with a group of friends, and we need to kick this around a little bit. And so that's kind of what I want to happen. And so because of our, 
group three people that need some fun, um, we're gonna add a little game to it, okay? Who will play? It's no fun without you, are you gonna play or not? I'm trying this again, I'll, I got all day. Who will play? Oh, everybody, that's great, that's awesome. So that's amazing. So here's what we're gonna do. When we reach a confusing, thought-provoking question, maybe an unanswerable question or a difficult point, we're all gonna tilt our heads a little bit, do that, and then we're gonna rub our chin, and we're gonna go, hmm. Okay, so we'll practice. Um, Wait for the signal, wait for the signal. You'll know, it's like the bat signal. You'll know it when you see it, okay? If Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel were the only four people on the planet in Genesis chapter four, where did Cain get his wife? Wait for it. Hmm. Okay, now because some of my really silliest people here, I know you guys are gonna poop out on me and you're not gonna keep doing it. So here's what we're gonna do. Um, Jen West gave me a great suggestion this week. She sent me this great idea and it's these little tiny Jesuses. What do you think? And so here's what, if you look around the church, there's a few of these stationed at different places in the church and they're watching you. No, they're not, that's not, that's not what, that's, that's not what it is. Here's what it is. If you see one of those, then you can grab it, but then your job is to put it someplace else. Put it someplace else, funny. So here's a guy standing at the urinal, and it's like, oh, look at that, there's a little Jesus right there. Right? Oh, the coffee pot, oh, whatever, right? So if you see one, you can do it. So here's what we're gonna do, just to see if people are gonna participate. Jen, come up here, you're, you're gonna help me. So Jen, she is the expert on little Jesuses. She's gonna take, she's gonna take about four or five of these, and when I hold up the sign, you throw them out to the people that really do it good. But they gotta really do it, and they gotta really do it. And remember, we had a little incident with that uh, t-shirt gun the other week, so throttle it back. We, one person had to be hospitalized, but no big deal. Okay, so I'm gonna do, I'm gonna hold up the sign, give it the hmm, okay? And listen, it's visual, it's also audio. So it's, hmm, okay, ready, set. Hmm. Oh, you got a lot of choices. Let's go. Watch your eyes. Okay, Wayne's got terrible hands. Okay, let's see. Go ahead, throw in a. Okay, it's under, you gotta catch it. You gotta be able to catch in this church. This lady really wants one right here. She is begging right there. Intercepted, okay, go over his head now. Go over his head. Okay, she can't catch, she doesn't deserve one. One more. In this church, if you can't catch, you don't deserve Jesus. Okay, thank you, thanks, uh, Jen. That was a, such a good idea. So that's our little baby Jesuses for the day. Um, so okay, so if you're a group one, or if you're a group two, or if you're a group three, or if you're kind of a mixture of those things on different days, then just get ready, because now we're gonna talk about the kingdom of God. So the first question, I guess, if we're gonna talk about this thing is, what is the kingdom of God? How would you, how would you describe the kingdom? Of, that's, a, that's, that's a pretty big question, right? What is the, in fact, that probably deserves a hmm. Let's try, okay. What is the kingdom of God? <laughs> this is my favorite day. Okay, so uh, Vaughn Roberts wrote a really great book called God's Big Picture. If you haven't read this book, you should read it. It's an amazing book. And his contention is that the kingdom of God is the prevailing theme of the Bible. And Vaughn gives a really great definition of the kingdom of God. He says the kingdom of God is God's people in God's place 
under God's rule, experiencing God's blessing. That's pretty good. That's a pretty good definition of the kingdom of God. And that's really what God set up in the beginning, isn't it? In the Garden of Eden, what was it? It was God's people in God's place, under God's rule, experiencing God's blessing. But then humanity rejected God's rule. And so God tried to start all over with Noah, and then again with the nation of Israel. So think about the nation of Israel. You guys know the story. The promised land really was intended to be the kingdom of God, right? It was supposed to be God's people in God's place, under God's rule, experiencing God's blessing. But each time, humanity again chose not to live under God's rule. Would you say that that's continued now into the present age? Yeah. So the good news is that Revelation tells us that ultimately God's will will prevail and his kingdom will come. And Revelation 21 and 22 describes it really beautifully. There's no tears there. There's no death there. Everything is new there. Everything is pure there. There's no evil people there. Think of your life without evil. There's no one hurting each other. Um, And here's the best part. God is right there with us. It says God will be among his people. He will make his home with us. It really is the kingdom of God. It's God's people in God's place, under God's rule, experiencing God's blessing. So a lot of you guys know I'm a big follower of a Bible teacher named Tim Mackey. I think I have a picture of Tim. Uh, Tim is a great Bible scholar and teacher. He's a founder of the Bible Project. Um, And he preached an amazing sermon that I heard a couple of months ago called Paradise Now. And man, if you have a chance, you should YouTube it. It's so, so good. I'm gonna try to share part of it uh, the best I can that kind of applies to this message. And in that sermon, Tim starts with a really familiar passage that you know. Um, it's Luke 23:42, And this is Jesus is on the cross and on either side of him, remember there's a criminal being um, uh, crucified on either side of him. And in Luke 23:42, one of the criminals turns to Jesus and says, please remember me when you come in to your kingdom. And in verse 43, Jesus says back to him, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. So this is a really important verse on a million levels, a very, very important passage, but especially what I want us to see today is that Jesus is making a connection between the kingdom and a place called paradise. Do you see that he's conflating the two things? He says, I want to go to your kingdom, and Jesus says, oh, it's cool, you'll be with me today in paradise. You see that connection between paradise and the kingdom. The Greek word here is paradiso. Say paradiso. Very good. So group one, geeks, get ready. You're going to love this part. Okay, so a couple hundred years before Jesus, a group of men, some people think it was 70 or 72 men, got together, and they were going to translate the Old Testament, which at that time was called... I call it the Testament, right? There wasn't a New Testament at that point, right? The the Old Testament is the Tanakh. It's the Torah. It's the Nevin. It's the whole Old Testament. It was all in what language? Hebrew. Mostly Hebrew and maybe some Aramaic. And these guys were going to translate it into the language of the day, Greek, right? And they translated it into Greek. And the, the Greek translation of that is called the Septuagint, the Septuagint. And so... And all the geeks are just going, yeah, I love this. One of my favorites is the Septuagint, right? So this word, paradiso, is the Greek word that was translated from the Hebrew word, gone. 
You with me? So they've translated this Hebrew word in the Old Testament, gone, and as they went into Greek, they changed it to paradiso. Can you guess what word we get out of that in English? Yeah, it's not even a translation. It's really just English letters of a Greek word. It's, so, that's, so this is the Hebrew word, gone. And so when gone is translated from Hebrew directly into English, 100% of the time, it's always translated the same way. It's translated to the English word, garden. Garden, okay? So on the cross, on the cross, all the geeks are racing ahead. Now hold on. On the cross, this criminal said to, you, to Jesus, Today, I want to go to your kingdom. And Jesus said, I will see you later today in the garden. In the garden. Now, in that day, when Jesus or any Hebrew who knew his Bible, and they all did, heard the word garden. Do you know the hyperlink? Where were they going with that, right? It was glowing blue hyperlink, right? When they heard garden, they, their mind went to a garden, a specific garden, because this garden is kind of the launching pad for all of Scripture. What garden are we talking about? The Garden of Eden. So in Genesis 2, it tells us that when God first made uh, heaven and earth, there were no plants. But a river sprung up right in the middle, and it made mud. And God used that for a couple of things. He used that mud to make man. And then with that water, God planted a gone, a paradiso, a garden. And that garden was full of plants, and it says fruit trees sprung up especially the tree of life. So the garden is a place, and in that garden is the tree of life. Yeah, with me, group one, group two, group three, hang in there. Okay, okay. But when in the Bible story do we find the garden? It's in the beginning. It's in a book called the beginning, Genesis, right? So when Jesus said, I'll see you in the garden later today, was he talking about a place that exists now or in the past? Because it sounds like Jesus is saying, this garden that existed in the past is the kind of place where you and I can hook up later today. Hmm, when we're both dead. Hmm, so this question, what is the kingdom, brings up another really interesting, tricky question. When is the kingdom? Is it, is it in the future? Later today for Jesus and this criminal? Or is it in the past? Don't poop out on me. Hmm. So group one, hang on, because there's even more for you. At the end of the Bible... Now, John is writing the book of Revelation, and he is saying, he's writing this book from the island of Patmos, which is in Greece, and he has this amazing experience where he sees the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down from above. And Revelation 22 tells us that in this city, flowing down Main Street, is a river, and springing up from that river are plants and all kinds of fruit trees, including the tree of life. So does that sound familiar to you? 
Yeah, he's, he's, he's describing the new Jerusalem coming down in the future exactly the way that he's ex describing the garden in the past. And this isn't the future like later today. This is what Tim Mackey calls it, the future future. Right? This is the cosmic future. So when is the garden? When is gone? When is paradiso? When is paradise? When is the kingdom of God? Is it in the past, in the beginning, in the future? Like, or is it later today, like for Jesus and the criminal? Or is it in the future future, in the holy city? Hmm. But wait, there's more. <laughs> Second Corinthians 12, 2, look what Paul writes. He says, I was caught up to the third heaven, the third heaven, we're not gonna do that, not have time. Start over. Second Corinthians 12, 2, Paul says, I was caught up to the third heaven 14 years ago. This is hilarious. Whether I was in my body or out of my body, I don't know. Only God knows. Seriously, he says, verse three, really. Only God knows whether I was in my body or outside my body. But I do know that I was caught up to paradiso. So again, we see this conflation, right, of heaven and the garden. And also, he's writing about this 14 years later. He says it was 14 years ago, but when Paul experienced this kingdom of heaven, this, this paradiso, it wasn't in the past, and it wasn't in the future, and it wasn't in the future future. It was in real time. It was, it was in the present. So we're not through with what is paradise? When? Is paradise. Is it in the past? Is it in the future? Is it in the future future? Is it in the present? Hmm. How are we doing, group one? <laughs> all the people are writing, they're all happy. Uh, is it confusing enough yet? Not quite? Okay, got a couple of head shakers. So how about this? Let's bring Jesus in, okay? Uh, Luke 17, 20. One day the Pharisees asked Jesus, when? When will the kingdom of God come? And Jesus replied, the kingdom of God can't be detected by visible signs. You're not gonna be able to say, here it is, oh, it's over there. For the kingdom of God, he says, is already among you. <laughs> well, hold it. <laughs> but he says it's already, it's already among you. It's already among you. You don't have to wait. It's already among you. But then he also says that we should pray for his kingdom to come. So according to Jesus, the kingdom is here and it's coming. It, 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 it's already and it's not yet. So that's, what is the kingdom? We got a pretty good definition on that one, right? When is the kingdom? It got a little tougher. Where? Where is the kingdom of God? Is it in this garden with the river and the tree of life? Is it on a cross with Jesus and that criminal outside Jerusalem? Is it wherever Paul went on that day that he didn't know whether he was in or out of his body? Is it the new Jerusalem coming down? Is it on the island of Patmos where John is writing from? Where is the kingdom of God? No, wait for it. Because I want to add something else weird to this. When Jesus said, can you put, Brian, can you put that verse back up? 
When Jesus said, the kingdom of God is already among you, the word he used for among is the word entos, entos. And that word doesn't usually mean like around. It usually means within. It usually means like inside. So it seems like maybe Jesus wasn't just saying that the kingdom of God is already here around you. He was saying it's already here inside you. So where is the kingdom? Is it in the garden? Is it in the New Jerusalem? Is it on the island of Patmos? Or is it inside us now? Okay. So last week I got a chance to discuss this question of where is the kingdom of God with a really another great Bible scholar I follow, uh, Waylon Merck. Some of you may know Waylon. Yeah, he's my, he's my grandson. So Waylon turned seven last week, but just before his birthday, he asked me, gee, um, where is heaven? Because it can't just be up because we have telescopes. We've looked up. It's not, it's not there. So where is heaven? I know those people reading the Bible 4,000 years ago thought it was just up in the clouds or whatever, but it's not up there. So where is heaven? And you know, when, you're, when kids that age ask questions like that, they don't wanna know. They're just trying to make you look stupid. <laughs> so so I, here's a good answer. Young parents, learn, learn. I said, what do you think? <laughs> yeah? And Waylon said, I don't know. Maybe it's something different. Maybe it's a different dimension. Maybe it's here, but we just can't see it. Hmm, good job, Waylon. So, can we agree that it seems like Jesus and these Old Testament biblical authors and Paul and John and Waylon have a different way of seeing reality. That maybe they're seeing it as, as something more than just the four dimensions. Because normally we experience our world in four dimensions, right? Height, width, length, and then we experience all of those over time, right? So those are our four dimensions. Maybe there's another way to see the kingdom. Like maybe God's kingdom exists in the garden and on Patmos and outside old Jerusalem and in the new Jerusalem and inside us and around us and in the past and in the present and in the future and in the future future all at the same time. And at the same time, it's not fully anywhere yet. Hmm. So how is that, how is that possible? Um, one explanation Maybe paradise, maybe the kingdom of God is less about a place and less about a time and more about a person. A person who exists outside time and outside space, who is there at the beginning and at the cross and in the present and in the future, and in the future future, who has the ability to be every place at the same time. And maybe 
when the spirit of that person is living inside of us, we can experience a kingdom now in our spirit, even if not yet fully. And as we open our eyes to him, and as we walk with him and live in him, we can experience his kingdom wherever we are in the world around us, even if not yet fully. And someday, we'll fully experience his kingdom in the future future, but he's already there then, and he's here now. Huh. So, a lot of questions still, like, like, like how do we get there? <laughs> you know, when, when do we get there? How did we get here? You know, I, where are we now on that like eternal timeline? So one last, okay, so group one, you had your fun, okay? We, I encourage you, if you're a group one person, if you're a nerd, if you're a geek, if you need the questions, if you need to dig more, here's what I encourage you to do. Get some Bible study tools, get some friends, get some coffee and just gather up and just geek out to your heart's content anytime you want during this week. Now we're gonna have something for the less nerdy among us. So uh, groups two and three, welcome back. Thank you for your patience over the last 25 minutes. Um, now what we're gonna do is we're gonna talk through the entire kingdom of God and the entire Bible, all of eternity past and future with diagrams, yeah, and with applications. And we're gonna do it in seven minutes, okay? So according to Genesis 1 and John 1, in the beginning, God, through Christ, created the world. And it was perfectly designed to be God's kingdom. God's people in God's place under God's rule, experiencing God's blessing. And the world was pure and undefiled and new. It was God's space and man's space as one space. Show them what it looks like, Brian. We got a little diagram for us here, visual learners. God's space and man's space is gonna be one space. But God wanted this to be a real relationship between him and humanity. He didn't want us to be pets. He didn't want us to be robots. So he gave humanity, hey, group one, what is the Hebrew word for humanity? Adam, very good. He gave Adam free will to choose. So Adam could either be part, God could be that. God, Adam, Adam gave the chance, God gave Adam the chance. He could be God's people in God's place, under God's rule, experiencing God's blessing. And God would provide everything that he needed, including God's version of good and evil. You with me? Keep going like this now. This is the hard part. The garden narrative of this choice is illustrated with these trees, right? So Adam could either eat from all the trees, including the tree of life, and that would mean that he accepted God's blessing and God's rule, or he could reject God. He could reject God's blessing and God's rules and try to become God for himself and decide for himself what was right and wrong and what was good or evil. And that choice is illustrated by eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And if humanity chose the tree of life, then he would experience life as God's people in God's place under God's rule experiencing God's blessing. And if not, he would experience death. Both literally, he's not gonna live forever now, but also, um, the group one people, you probably remember that in the, in the minds of the original 
biblical readers and hearers, their idea of death was different than ours, right? So their idea, our idea of death is your body stops functioning, right? But their idea of death was a separation, right? So when you die, you're separated from your friends and family, right? When you die, your body is separated from your soul, right? That's how they viewed death. So spiritual death would be being separated from God. With me? Got seven minutes, keep going, right? So enter the talking snake. The snake comes in, he tempts humanity with sin and with self, and he says you can't really trust God, you need to trust yourself. Don't eat from the tree of life. Instead, eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Which tree did man choose? The knowledge of good and the wrong tree, that's right. Romans 5 tells us that through Adam's choice, sin and death entered God's world. This is when it happened, man. This is when the world got contaminated. This is when sin and sickness and blindness and death, demonic power, corruption, sadness, crying, violence. This is all when it came into the world. In fact, the very next story after this is about a man killing his brother. But this is not only about enmity and separation between man and man. This is about separation between God and man. And man was kicked out of the garden. And God's space and man's space became separate spaces. Show them what it looks like, Brian. It even made that noise when it happened, okay? And God placed two cherubim, two these weird-looking creatures with flaming swords at the gate to keep man separated from God. Group one, you'll find this interesting. Over time, God also set up temples. These were like, uh, uh, like margins, places where God's space and man's space came very close. Uh, the tabernacle in the desert and in the temple in Jerusalem, these were places where God's space and man's space were kind of like overlapping, and God was the architect of those spaces. And he designed those spaces to look like a garden. There's water and plants and trees, and there's even carvings of the cherubim at the entrance, just like in Eden, guarding the line between God and man. But through the prophets, we're separated from God now, right? Through the prophets, God promised that someday a man would come, a different kind of man, right, would come that would crush the serpent and would overcome sin and self, and he would empower a new humanity who could also overcome Satan and sin and self and could fully trust God so that God's space and man's space could be reunited as the kingdom of God, God's people in God's place under God's rule, enjoying God's blessing. And all through the Old Testament, the prophets talk about this anointed one, right? This Messiah, the son of man and the son of God who would come and reconcile and reunite God and man in God's kingdom. And that man was Jesus. And he came to announce and to bring God's kingdom and to reconcile man to God and to, re and to recreate God's kingdom and to bring God's space and man's space back to one space. Ryan? And that's the sound it's gonna make. And now we're back together and the last pages of, of the Bible in Revelation describe that space to us and there there is freedom and there is peace and there's amazing diversity and there's unity and there's no more death and there's no more crying and everything will be made new. Everything will be recreated and best of all, God will be truly with 
his people, just like in the garden. And that, that's the kingdom of God. It's God's people, God's place, under God's rule, enjoying God's blessing. And that's where we're going to end up when Jesus comes back again. Who's ready for that? Yeah, I thought so. Um, but, but we're not there yet. Because um, right now we live in this really weird overlap. Ryan? Wait for it. Yeah. We live right there in the middle of that. So to understand that, I'll just, when Jesus came the first time to announce this coming kingdom, he went around not just talking about the kingdom, but he went around undoing what Satan and sin and self and Adam had done to God's kingdom because Satan and sin and temptation and humanity had brought some real garbage into God's good world like demons and sickness and blindness and death and injustice and sin and oppression. So Jesus went around undoing all of that, casting out demons, healing sickness, raising the dead, forgiving sin, giving sight to the blind, giving justice to the oppressed, what was he doing? He was undoing what had been done to God's good world. And he was giving like little like tastes, right? Not everybody got healed, right? Not every crippled person walked, not every blind person saw. He was giving like little tastes of the kingdom that was coming. This is what it's gonna be like in the coming kingdom. We like to call those kingdom samples, right? Because why? I love to go to Costco. Right? I love the samples. What do they do? They got a table just like this. They got little pieces of cookie. They got little snacks. They got all kinds of good stuff. And you can't have all of them. Believe me, it's been made very clear to me. You cannot take, and I'll say also that manager at that Costco is super bossy. You, you don't get all of it. You don't get all of it, right? You get a little taste. You get a little, you, it just whets your appetite, right? And it just, what does it do? It gives you a desire to buy the whole package, right? Um, Jesus was giving kingdom samples of life and healing and acceptance and unity and forgiveness and freedom and peace to whet their appetites for the whole package of his coming kingdom. You with me? So Jesus said we should constantly pray for God's kingdom to fully come, and it will someday, someday. Meanwhile, here in the overlap, right, we can experience God's kingdom in little tastes. Right? Joy talked about it a minute ago, like in our worship. We can have a little taste, a little sample of what it's going to be like. We get samples of forgiveness. Because right? their forgiveness is complete for everybody. Right? We get little samples of healing, little tastes of healing, little tastes of unity, little tastes of beauty, little tastes of his presence, little tastes of understanding. You ever read the Bible and it's like, <gasps> like something makes sense all of a sudden? Like that's a, that's a sample, man. That's just like a little taste of his understanding, a little taste of the power of his spirit. What are those? Those are samples of his kingdom. Those are ways that we can experience his kingdom here. Now, every day. So that is the 35-minute introduction to today's message about our mission as a church and what God is calling us to do. Here's the two-minute message, okay? Our mission is a lot like the mission that Jesus gave his disciples, 
when he first sent them out. I'm going to read this to you. It's Matthew 10, verse 7. He says, go and announce that the kingdom of heaven is near. He's sending the disciples out now. You guys have already experienced it. You've already had healing. You've already had freedom. You've already experienced unity and love and forgiveness and acceptance. You've had your samples, right? You've got your samples. Look what he says. So go and announce that the kingdom of heaven is near and start giving them back. He says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, cast out demons, give as freely as you have received. I've already given you some tastes, right? You've had a taste of the kingdom and it's time for you to go out now and share some tastes of healing and freedom and peace and love and unity. So for us, once we've experienced the kingdom, our mission as a church is to help other people experience the kingdom and to help them experience the kingdom every day. How? How? It's by us. We're like the, that lady at Costco with a little tray, right? It's, it's us sharing samples of, of life and healing and freedom and forgiveness and joy and acceptance and unity and peace and worship and understanding and diversity and joy with everybody that we meet. That's, that's, our, that's our mission is every day to help other people experience the kingdom of God. And every time you participate in a ministry here, every time you volunteer to serve, every time you help in kids ministry or lead a group or hold the door open for people or clean or lead or help, every time you share your finances, every time you share your time, every time you share your talent with the church, every time you invite a friend, every time you work or pray or share or bring healing or freedom or peace to someone in Jesus' name, you are fulfilling our mission as a church to not only experience the kingdom yourself, but to help others experience the kingdom every day. That's our mission. We exist to help people find the Father, experience the kingdom, and look more like Jesus every day. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the promise of your coming kingdom. And man, we're like Jesus, we're praying every day. Your kingdom come, we're ready now. We are ready now. Lord, but now we live in this in-between period. And so I thank you that even now in this world, we're surrounded by the darkness and the evil and the horribleness of this world, but yet even here, even now, we can experience little tastes of your forgiveness, of your joy, of your peace, of your presence in our worship, of your understanding as we get into your word. Thank you that you give us these little tastes, these little samples of what your kingdom will someday be like. And God, I just pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit, you will empower us to do what you've called us to do, to help other people experience your kingdom, to share samples of unity and acceptance and love and healing and freedom and peace and salvation and joy with everyone we meet. God, will you show us and lead us about how to best do that and will you empower us so that we can fulfill our mission to help people experience your kingdom every day. Lord, we can't do it by ourselves. We don't even wanna try. We're depending fully on you to empower us. Thank you for the power that we get. Thank you for Jesus that gave it to us. In his name, amen. Okay, if you're a volunteer and you have a station to get to, this is your 30-second head start. Get up and go. Um, also, if you're on our prayer team and you're going to come up here, I think some of them are, this is going to be a new station uh, where we're going to have some of our prayer people up front. So if you need prayer, if you need a sample of healing 
or of joy or of freedom, then come on down and some of our prayer people will be down here to pray for you. Um, also, just real quickly, um, Easter is coming. Easter is coming. It's super, super early this year. So it's in four weeks. So I just want to just remind you, um, if you're ever in your life going to invite somebody to church and they say yes, it's probably Easter, right? It's okay to talk about Jesus at work and at school. It's okay. You got a free pass now to talk about Jesus. So if you're ever going to invite somebody, invite them to Easter and tell them we're going to have an Easter egg hunt and crazy music and it's fun outside and all that good stuff. You know, again, it's a bait and switch, man. What we're trying to do is get them there so that we can fulfill our mission, right? So that we can help those people find the Father, experience the kingdom, and look more like Jesus every day. That's it. God bless you guys. Have a great week.